0: Six. Jim returned to his office by a bus, having left the car in the parking lot outside. It was never easy finding a parking spot close to Convergence Club. When he stepped inside, Mercedes looked at him with wide eyes. Jim, I'm so glad you're back. The police have been calling you many times. I've been asked three times why you don't have a cell phone. Jim pulled off his coat. Number? On your desk. Better call him right away. As he sat down and lit a cigarette, Jim pushed the numbers on the phone. The phone rang and a voice he knew answered. SFPD, Charles. Roger, it's Jim. You tried to reach me? Inspector Charles sighed heavily into the phone. Jim, for God's sake, man, get a cell phone. There's been another one. Or rather, we found another one. When, where? By Fisherman's Wharf. Air has been sealed off, but lots and lots of people saw it. There's going to be some grisly photos on the websites in tomorrow's newspaper. Is it another angel? Jim drew smoke into his lungs. In a sense. This time, it's actually a boy. But yes, absolutely same guy, if that's what you're asking. I'll meet you at the wharf. Jim hung up. Mercedes, I'm going out again. ''Yeah, well, I'm going with you,'' Mercedes replied. She looked in, already wearing her jacket. ''I told you, you're not working this case alone.'' Jim sighed. ''Fine, you can come, but you're going to keep yourself safe.'' Mercedes nodded, opening her purse and showing him the .38 semi-automatic she kept there. ''I'm prepared. I was a Girl Scout once. We sold a lot of cookies and helped kids across the street. Guns were optional.'' If this guy is an immortal, like me, he's not going to stop if you shoot him. Since when don't you stop if someone shoots you? I've seen you get shot and it still took you a few seconds to get up again. I can run away in those seconds. Jim smiled. I guess you've thought of everything, haven't you? But I mean it. If things get hairy, you get out. Fine, deals mío, you're such a mother hen sometimes. Mercedes pulled her hair back behind her ears. Should we get going? Are we driving? We are. Go on down, I'll lock up. Mercedes headed down the corridor as Jim locked the door to the office. He watched her go and thought again of how vulnerable she looked. He shook his head, dismissing the thought. Mercedes was strong. He was just fussing. When they got into the car, Jim turned it towards the wharf. Mercedes blew in her hands. The city is so damn cold, seriously. Jim, who lived in Chicago, smiled. Cold is relative. You're from Southern California, kid. You'll be cold once the mercury dip below 90. I will not. I'm just... Mercedes hid her hands in her pockets as Jim swerved through the traffic. I'm just cold today, that's all. And don't call me kid. Whatever you say, hon. Jim nodded thinking of the times he had seen her in gloves and scarves and the rest of the Bay Area inhabitants wore T-shirts. When they approached the wharf, Jim noticed several police vans in the area taking up parking spaces. There were also more uniformed cops on the streets. Obviously, the SFPD took this seriously enough to call in the extra crew. He pulled up to the parking area by the wharf itself and found himself in front of a police line. He rolled down his window and stuck out his head, looking at the young policeman minding it. I'm Jim Corrigan. Inspector Charles is expecting me. The cop waved him on. He looked like he was feeling slightly sick. Jim assumed it was from the spectacle inside. He remembered what it was like to be the new boy on the job and getting these kinds of assignments. Even if it had been almost a century since he had done it, nothing ever changed. He parked the car and got out, followed by Mercedes. She looked back at the young cop, her face concerned. He looks like he's going to toss his cookies. Do you think he's okay? He'll be fine. He just needs to find his sea legs. He's probably new to this. Mercedes looked over his shoulder as they walked out to the pier. I hope he feels better. Jim spotted Inspector Charles standing by an arcade, leaning against the wall and holding a cup of coffee that he seemed decidedly uninterested in. Jim raised his hand in greeting and Charles raised his. You brought your secretary? Mercedes feels she should take a more active part in the investigation. Charles looked at Mercedes, who smiled innocently back. You chose the wrong day to join in. He waved his hand and they followed him into the arcade. This arcade was closed all morning. No one knew why until the afternoon shift manager came in. Turns out the guy running it was killed after closing last night. When was closing? Midnight. So the time schedule gets even tighter. But it's not so much the owner you're here to see. The killer came at him from behind and cut his throat. Clean, efficient, and no more fuss. We've already bagged and tagged him. Well, if not him, then what? Jim looked confused. Over here. Charles led them in between the machines and pointed to the display in the middle of the room. Mercedes stared at it with big, horrified eyes. She staggered and took a step up to a machine to steady herself. Mercedes, you okay? Jim asked and put a hand on her arm. Fine, fine, I'm... She held her hand to her mouth and spun on her heel, running out of the arcade. They could hear the sound of vomiting outside. I don't blame her. I did the same thing. Nearly ruined my damn pants. Charles looked at his coffee and put it down on a machine. Jim knelt down, trying to take in everything at once. In the middle of the room stood a boy of perhaps ten or twelve. He was standing against the beam holding the roof up, and his arms were spread out in a parody of the crucifixion. Through his wrists there were nails, obviously manually hammered through, and his feet were similarly pierced, nailing him to the beam. He was wearing a white robe, but this time it had not been kept clean. The crucified boy had been gutted like a fish from his neck to his crotch, and all his innards now sat on his stomach, stapled to his skin with a staple gun. His eyes were gone. Hi, this is Arif Silverman and I wanted to let you know that my radio play Black Blade is now available to stream on the Fantasy Network. The play chronicles the apex of a decades-long witch hunt and includes ancient forests, wyverns, and magic swords. A diverse cast of characters and team members tell a subversive, timely story about a world racked with political and environmental struggles. I hope you'll tune in. Jim held a hand to his mouth, trying not to vomit himself. He closed his eyes, gathering and focusing his thoughts, then looked around the room for the spirits. He didn't have to look far for the boy. He was sitting practically in front of the body, looking both dazed and confused. I'm going to need a minute, Roger. Could you go check on Mercedes? Charles nodded and walked outside. Jim reached out his hand to the boy. Hey there. I'm Jim. Can you hear me? The boy turned his head and looked at him, but before he could attempt to speak, another voice sounded in Jim's ears. He's not going to talk to you, Jim. Anderson Kramer stood by one of the machines in the back, leaned up against it. His eyes looked serious. Why not? Jim got to his feet, still keeping his one eye on the boy. He took a step towards Anderson. He's not going to talk to you. Neither am I, Jim. Not anymore. What? Why, what happened? Anderson shook his head. Remember the girl you told me about this morning? The dead one? Of course I do. Well, word on the street is, you talked to her in the alley, and now she's gone. Gone, as in moved on? No. Gone, as in gone. Her spirit has vanished. And the spirit community is thinking you did it. Jim shook his head, now suddenly understanding why he'd seen so few spirits on his way home from Convergence. Word traveled fast. It's not something I've done. If anything, it's the guy that killed her who did something. Well, here's the thing, man. They think you might be the one who killed her. That's ridiculous. Why would I try to find her killer if it was me? I don't know. I just know that you managed to rile up the spirits of San Francisco so much that no one wants to talk to you. And that includes me. My loyalty has to be with my own. They count on me. You're on your own. Anderson, Jim said, lifting his hand. But the spirit shook his head. Uh Uh-uh. I'm heading out. Sorry, man. But because we've got a history, I'll check up on you once in a while. See if you progress anywhere. Anderson faded away, as did the boy. The room was empty of spirits, and Jim felt almost spooked. It was the first time he was truly alone in years. He took a deep breath. Now was the time to fall back on real, classic police work. Moving up to the dead boy, he turned his head slowly back and forth, trying to catch the smallest details of the murder. The robe was exactly the same as the one the girl had worn. It was handmade, no marks or factory labels. The staples were the normal kind, probably bought at a Home Depot somewhere in America. But the nails... He looked closely at the one in the right hand. It looked handmade, but not homemade. A craftsman, maybe, blacksmith or metalworker. Perhaps. He turned and stepped outside, glad to put the horrible body behind him. Mercedes and Charles stood by the edge of the water, both looking decidedly less than happy. Mercedes even looked a bit embarrassed. She began to talk, but Jim lifted a hand. Save it, Mercedes. Don't apologize. That was horrible. And most people would have done exactly what you did. It doesn't make you any less of an investigator, okay? She smiled, nodding. Okay. He put his hand on her arm and then turned to Charles. Roger, I'd like to take a closer look at one of the nails. When you take the body away... Would that be possible? Charles nodded. I'm sure it would. They'll be bagged as evidence. Are they important? They're handmade. Someone with access to a metal shop made them. And I've got a hunch that person is not the killer. Why not? Because handmade items can be traced to your workshop. A special pair of pliers or tweezers that left a mark in the metal can be reconstructed. Our killer won't be stupid enough to leave such an obvious clue. He might, however, be just stupid enough to think we can't trace them. If you're done with the body, I can tell the forensics guys to take him down. We have all the pictures we need. You should be able to take a look at them after that. Go get some coffee or something. Jim nodded. I'll be back in a little while. He looked at Mercedes again. I mean, we... We'll be back. Charles waved at a couple of officers standing off to one side. As he began walking towards them, Jim put his arm around Mercedes's shoulder. Let's go find a coffee shop. You look like you could use it.